Chris is Shannon. And this is Kamani. And welcome to Drink With Words. And we are a place where we welcome our friends back multiple times because there's such great conversations. Conversers? I don't know. Conversators? Well, black folks use the word conversating. So, in honor of our ancestors, we're going to conversate some more. I think that's fair. Welcome back, Havana. Hey, Harlem and Hass. You are the first <laughs> three-time guest on the show. How yes. does it feel to be, have this distinct honor? Well, you know, y'all better not let nobody outdo me. That's all. I'm just joking. I'm messing around. <laughs> I'm just joking. You know how, like, you know how, like, on SNL they have like the thing. What thing? Where it's like. They are on for multiple seasons. Like, oh. When they come times, they're like, oh, the fifth time we're close. And then you have someone like, woo! That? Yeah. Oh, so yeah. You're like, woo! Third time around on the show. Oh, I did that for myself. Woo! <laughs> <laughs> Sound effects. Oh, yeah. Anything special that going on? Um, What's going on in Harlem? Uh, oh, oh, a lot. Harlem week is coming up. Uh, so I'm pretty stoked about that. Um, and I really then, like Harlem. Yeah. I really like Harlem. If you I know? moved to the city, I'd move to Harlem. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like Most people would. Yeah, I'm glad you would acknowledge that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm not stupid. No, I mean, you know, I, there are some people who don't believe that black people can gentrify neighborhoods, and that's just so not true. Why do you true. think that they can? Why do I think that they can? Because yeah. gentrification is. It's a mixture of an issue that involves class and race, but because. Mm-hmm class is so much a part of race we we often see it like well i feel like white corporations allow for other folks of color of a higher economic bracket to come in and basically gentrify the neighborhood Mm -hmm. um so they're the they're the result the ending result kind of but um like white corporations white realty groups are the ones who basically rip open the door and then you'll get folks of color and white people of higher class brackets being able to settle in those communities. So, if you haven't been able to guess, we're just going to jump straight into this. I see. Yeah. Oh, I know, right? You excited. I was, well, <laughs> I was just like, she's going to wait I, for I, it. I'm just ready. I just said that. I'm glad that you acknowledged that because many people think that it is a myth and that's not mm. true. They think because they're black, they're immune to Yeah. Yeah, which is a very dangerous way of thinking. Um, and it just speaks to this another larger issue of like within the black um, social grouping in mm-hmm. general, there's this big divide between folks who have money and folks who don't. And that clash really becomes apparent when we talk about gentrification and whether or not black people can be gentrifiers or not. Yeah. Do you want to touch on anything before we get into this? Um, what's, what's up in your life? Because Havana's ready. I, I just, okay. He's ready. I didn't even cry. I just. Yes, you did. <laughs> you just ready to take it over. No, I, no, I'm not. You just said. She's our resident revolutionary. Oh. Mm-hmm. I guess. <laughs> <laughs> he said, what's going on? Oh, sure, nothing. How's your family? Oh, they good. They good. They good. <laughs> <laughs> they good. Um. We definitely had our experience um, being forced out of our neighborhood and ended up going to another neighborhood, might being forced out of that one again. So it's just like, I I even have my own experience to where like, our rent was raised so high to the point we couldn't even afford it no more. So it's just like, you know, I do enjoy hearing about the topic and just voicing my opinion and my own experience because it's... It's real, like, where do people go if they can't afford? Mm-hmm. Savannah. Yeah. How do you define gentrification? Ooh. I hate this question because it's like, <laughs> um, I guess in plain people terms, I hate to use that expression. Plain terms. because I mean, like, a lot of times people will use, will talk about gentrification, they will use language that, yeah, like, it's just like, what is all of this? But really, it's about, um, or, it's not, 
I don't want to say cultural cleansing, but it gives way for cultural mm-hmm. cleansing by replacing um, folks that have been there for a very long time and have struggled with all of the kinds of economic issues that comes that not I don't want to say that comes with that community, but was thrown at that community, mm-hmm. um, and they get removed and they are replaced by people of a higher bracket. And that can happen several times throughout a certain amount of time. Um, so, um, and it just keeps going and going. Um, and it causes a lot of problems, particularly for people who are poor or poorer or on the lower end of like a income bracket. And as our viewers know, you're for Harlem. Mm-hmm, yeah. Kind of like a major site. Yeah. In objectification. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the whole Soha. I don't even know what that is. Like, Soha. Like, Soha? I, like that's Soha. what they're trying to call Soha? it, I guess. Like South Harlem? Yeah, but it just Soha? logically... Yeah, it was like... The logic of it is just, like, I didn't even know that that was something that someone was trying to do. Like, that's <laughs> how, that's how, like, no. They, they, I mean, just from a, a standpoint of making money, people come to that area because of the history and the right. name Harlem. So to remove that, that, that would be bad money making. <laughs> that that mm. would be bad for them, you know. Yeah. So people come for the culture of Harlem, even though, you know, them coming destroys it. <laughs> but you know, it's just yeah. That was a real dumb thing to do. Mm-hmm. It's interesting and complex, and I like. I'm glad you talked about like the economics of it. That's mm-hmm. not just something. like so. The racist, racial components do really big. Yeah, but it is that there's a strong economic component mm-hmm. because we have we know people who are upper middle class. Mm-hmm. The same person we always reference, mm-hmm. like almost every episode, mm-hmm. like who. Want gentrification. I remember there was this person in a shirt on Facebook or on Instagram saying, like, oh, I'm pro gentrification, blah, blah, blah. Like, I don't remember what, like, when I was supposed to, but she was had a shirt basically advocating for gentrification. And a lot of people took offense to it and, like, what are you talking about? Mm-hmm. Like, this is my community. I'm from here. And you don't understand the story of why it's like this in the first place. Mm-hmm. So, do you think, and you were saying it's like a, it makes a way for like, Social cleansing? Yeah. Cultural cleansing? Cultural cleansing. It can be used as that. So what are the Or cultural cleaning up. So what do you, how do you define that? How do you get to that? How does gentrification play a role in that? Um, well, for one, I think that it allows people to come in and create a narrative that didn't exist before. Um, and that can be... Um, well, I guess if I speak to the Harlem in particular, um, one of the things that, like, Harlem is a community that has had to struggle on all fronts, and it's a great community, and I will always, I mean, Harlem has always been great. You know, one time someone was just like, well, Harlem is safe now, or Harlem is good now, um, and I took so much offense to it because I'm like, it was good before, but if you mean that crime doesn't happen as much, perhaps, yeah. But that's not even true, you know, but they just, you know, that's another thing about it. It's just like um, people have this idea that gentrification decreases crime when um, I mean, I remember like when I was really, really young, we had a a point of time in which there was like a decrease in gang activity because you had a lot of after school programs. You had a lot of things that were going on and it was really and then you just had a code of ethics within the community. Gentrification kind of broke down that that community ethic code and and then they kind of wiped away the programs that the community needed for the youth and the gangs and our gangs kind of increased so you know there's this component where it's just like it breaks down um how that the ecosystem of that community in terms of how it survives and how it keeps things on track and so that can also give way to more violence sometimes um um, because, like I said, you break down a community code of ethics. 
Um, so there's just certain things that people do to protect their own communities as mm-hmm. well that also gets lost. And then you, you end up having to depend on the police because the other way around isn't working anymore because you're removing those people mm-hmm. by so many different means. Those folks that are a part of the community watch that, you know, check in, you know, there are so many ways to avoid a crime before it happens. Mm-hmm. And usually community folks who are born and raised there or grow up there have been there for a while know how to do that you know they know how to stop a robbery before it happens because they know that this person is struggling and there are different ways that they do to help that particular person out so that they that doesn't go to that that scale um so um i feel like i kind of lost track of the question though like Oh, um so yeah so i mean gentrification so like back to like harlem is or communities in in general that are struggling um there's there's both sides of it right we're not struggling because the people there themselves are bad we're struggling because our government has ignored these particular areas for a certain amount of time and have basically these communities are disenfranchised you know purposefully um because of the kinds of folks who live there and that's where the race comes into play right where it's just like the government basically like ignored those areas because the people there were folks of color and they were poorer and so therefore those folks had to you know like do what they could with what they had which is very little resources and so when you put any human being in that situation no matter the color you're going to end up with a community that's struggling no matter what Um, But it doesn't mean that that community doesn't have a way of thriving because it actually does. And the hurtful part about it is by the time gentrification comes up, like it rides off of the struggles of that community, like Harlem in particular. You know, we have a great history of resistance and, and, and black resistance in particular. And, and it's a history that is known worldwide. But you have so many folks coming to flock to be a part of it now. And you have folks like Whole Foods, they, the way that they present themselves. Oh, we're here in Harlem. And people get excited about it. And they're riding off of a history that is on the backs of folks that have had to suffer um, to keep and, and to create that culture, <laughs> you know, that everyone wants and wants to buy into. Um, and... Yeah, and, and, and it doesn't just necessarily mean white people, right? You have other folks of color who want to buy into this as well, but they would not necessarily have came when it was actually time to do cleanup. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, they come after the fact. Exactly. Like, you wasn't here when people had to sweep up some of the crack fouls that was on the street. Like, you know, or clean up the uh, playground so that kids don't, you know, fall on a crack, uh, on a syringe needle, you know? You wasn't here doing that work. We was, you know? And now that, I guess the city, it, it's, there's a benefit there. And, 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 and let it be known that people fought for that, right? Like, folks in the community have fought to for change to happen not gentrification we fought for change improvements in our community and 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 it's kind of like a double-edged sword right you're like we need these things these like that's the thing about gentrification it's just like these communities needed resources and a lot of people in the community have asked for them have fought for them have did what they needed to do in order to receive these resources but in the means of in in the process of like Fighting for those resources, they picked people off. They picked families off one by one by one by one. And and, and there's a lot that goes into like that these communities are under attack. Like um, they're also like the a direct target usually for um, criminalization, right? You know, sending people to prison. Like a large amount of folks that are in prison come from communities that are suffering from gentrification, and that's not um, a a coincidence. So. Yeah. Shannon, like you were talking at the beginning about your experience. Mm-hmm. Can you just expound on that a little bit? Because I feel like, yeah, I think it's important for people to understand what it does, even at the mm-hmm. early stages. Mm-hmm. Because while it's Harlem is further along and places like Black, like in Brooklyn are further I feel along. like they're much further along. I mean, Harlem is like, it's struggling. Right. It's this stagnant. It looks like a battle. <laughs> well, yeah, but I think that's a good point to bring up. 
because like because of this history of resistance, mm-hmm. like, you have people that are like mindful mm-hmm. of what's going on, and it's like they're pushing back against like, no, you ain't aiming it so high, you ain't doing yeah. this other stuff. This mm-hmm. is Harlem. This mm-hmm. is like we we've been here. Mm-hmm. Like when y'all tried to forget about us mm-hmm. and weren't trying to help us, we were here. Yeah. Um, so like one of the major components of gentrification is like the change for people that are renting mm-hmm. and the rents. Because a lot of these landlords and developers, they're trying to get the most bang for their buck. Mm-hmm. And as New York gentrifies and gets more expensive, mm-hmm. that pushes more people into like Jersey or the borough. Mm-hmm. And the fact that we're so close to we New are York. like mm-hmm. in thirty yeah. minutes or thirty to forty five minutes. Like even traveling on a train from like here to Manhattan is really not even a long train right. ride. Yeah, right. it's like it's actually better to take a train and drive. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so you were saying how you had to move mm-hmm. because of the price. Yeah, um, in Orange, I've lived, I've grown up in Orange. I've mm-hmm. been living here since I was four. In like my last year of college, that's when we moved. Mm-hmm. So that just tells you how long I've been in Orange. Right. Mm-hmm. So it's just like, all right, over the years, it's just like he didn't want to fix things anymore. It's just like, Things just getting a little more run down. Mm-hmm. He's like, oh, this, this, and that. So come to like this point where he rose the rent to such an amount. It's like, okay, I, at the time, wasn't working. I was in school. Mm-hmm. My dad pretty much took care of everything, but he just couldn't afford it anymore. And that's how we end up moving out. But it's just like, even the emotions of going through something like that is so crazy because mm-hmm. I... I have a big mm-hmm. family. Like, I mm-hmm. have four younger siblings, and I'm one out of ten. Mm-hmm. So think about, we have other siblings, younger yeah. siblings, older siblings. It's a bunch of us in a house. So it's just like, okay, now, once we get pushed out, our first things was, okay, where are we going to go? Because mm-hmm. ain't no one really trying to go to no shelter. Mm-hmm. That's if they've been taking so much people at once. Mm-hmm. Luckily, our aunt took us in and now like even being in Newark you see how downtown Newark is becoming like it's so many different businesses it's like a Starbucks down Mm -hmm. there it's just it's just different and it's like it's coming from from downtown it's now expanded to the rest of the town mind you Newark is the biggest town in New Jersey dang yeah so it's just like they're coming like you see so much houses being renovated or like fixing up now fixing up now and like I see I see the Jewish people coming in and checking out these houses Mm -hmm. you see work being done it's just like okay now once these houses are fixed they all gonna go up in value Mm -hmm. so what that what does that mean for me Mm -hmm. like I don't wanna go through that again no yeah but it's like it's like a series that happens time and time again because it's just like gentrification happens in waves, right? There's a buildup to this point where mm-hmm. it's just like, like that's the thing that I feel like people don't see is the levels, right? Like, like especially in Harlem, there were levels to it. So like there was a first wave of gentrifiers that came in, and it was like you know now they're being replaced and they're complaining. And it's interesting because when gentrif- like I remember like the first early my first early memories of gentrification was like it wasn't like like it was only Harlem Knights complaining or like talking about it or just like yo this is this is this is becoming a problem um and and the new folks that had moved in they were like oh no I don't see a problem and so now it's interesting so that was like the first wave and then now that those folks had to be removed and the newer folks came in and then now they can't stay there because it's getting too expensive for them and now they're complaining and they're saying that it's a problem and now it's catching a, a lot of wind mm-hmm. right and because the folks the second wave of gentrifiers now cannot stay there anymore um, so that's and, and and it grows and grows and grows and grows and grows and it just keeps recycling until um literally like the people have been like the people who originally kind of were there kind of just don't they they don't exist there anymore. So what do you say to because like a lot of people hear those conversations mm-hmm. and they're like, well, people move and get moved out all the time. Mm-hmm. It's like human nature. No, like this sounds not. Mm-mm. So exactly. So no, how, do you, how do you challenge that? that? Because you hear people say that like. 
especially like conservatives. Mm-hmm. They're like, we, we left and they were complaining that we took all that money and mm-hmm. white flight and mm-hmm. now that we're moving back, they're saying it's a problem. So they don't really know what they want. Moving back and kicking me out at the same time. Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, the first time you left because you were racist. Let's get yeah. that right. Yeah. Well, ha- well, gentrification is it's more like... Um, it's predatorial planning. Mm-hmm. Like, that's how, like, um, when I was, like, in, um, I think I was 14, I did this movie, and I, people might have seen it. And um, then, what was it? Oh, my gosh. I can't remember the name of the movie. Climb Summer. And basically, it was about, like, a bunch of teens, and we made this film to basically talk, talk about New York City parks in Harlem mm-hmm. and the Heights and how we need money to fix it up and all this other stuff. The film generated a lot of funds and stuff, and like it was used to to do that. And and so now that these parks are fixed up and stuff that was in the film, um, we did a second re up of it, and we basically like tackle. It's called the domino effect, but we tackle some of those issues in terms of like like the city actively worked to disenfranchise. Like there are laws, like red zoning is one of them. Um, there's a whole process that the government plays a strong part in um, displacing folks of color and, and poor folks in general. So this isn't a coincidence. You know, it's 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 something that is being worked on on a governmental level, level. and a lot of times, and then they're in cahoots with um, corporations as well. So it's just. It, it's. I mean, if you look at the track record through laws and stuff like that, it's. It's not about people just moving. It's about like money. Yeah, it's. It's really interesting. So I went to a meeting at City Hall like a year and a half, two years ago, about mm-hmm. the old hospital that closed like two thousand four, and it's like a large property in Orange, like takes up an acre, like it's a huge block, mm-hmm. and it's been closed for over ten years, like it deteriorated. It went changed for various hands. So the people that owned it, that recently bought it, came to like present their plan. They called the Black Black Group. They own properties in Williamsburg and Bushwick. And so I saw that, but I was the only young person there. And in Orange, you're either going to have people that are like, oh, gentrification is good. We need mm-hmm. it because we're homeowners and mm-hmm. these poor people can leave. I don't care if we price them out. I heard that back in high school. I didn't understand what, what the person was talking about. Same person we always talk about. Mm-hmm. But now I do. Then you have the people that are concerned that building these high rises is going to be bring back the projects. That one was an interesting, yeah, it was like they didn't understand like the other processes at play mm-hmm. when this group was they were like, You're just building back the projects. Mm-hmm. They're like, nah, we want to have mixed like income, mm-hmm. like, but you really know that who they're trying to attract affordable housing, right? The most ambiguous language, right? That mm-hmm. code language meaning no poor folks, right? Are allowed so. And I got up and asked them about their properties in Bushwick, and they were like, uh, whatever. They like tried, they danced around my questions because they knew what I was trying to mm-hmm. ask. And then they said, well, don't you want to bring down crime or blah, 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 blah? And that was their first part. So since I didn't have a lot of backing, mm-hmm. they were able to like tap into this this other strain of mm-hmm. all that exists in people in town. So I say all that to say, it's like really complex in terms of how these developers come in. And they like sell this vision of what it can be like mm-hmm. the cities, especially like you're saying these cities like Orange is like a small majority black mm-hmm. community, and with the large Latin based mm-hmm. like population coming in now, mm-hmm. but it's mainly working class. Yeah, mainly working class, mainly renters, mm-hmm. which puts a lot of the divide. Like some people, a lot of the fewer have homes, they mm-hmm. resent some of the renters, and they mm-hmm. say like we're paying the lion's share of the taxes. Mm-hmm. Um, which doesn't account for the taxes that are paid through property owners that yeah. you pay rents to. Mm-hmm. Um, and it gets to this really complex point of like how renters are moochers or whatever, but they can be displaced because they're not really giving anything to the system. Mm-hmm. And it's not true. Um, because we spend that dollars here. We're the more likely, since we don't have yeah. access to cars or, or like, because we go buy stuff at Whole Foods up mm-hmm. the street. We're more likely to buy stuff from the supermarket down the street mm-hmm. or the bodega around the corner or mm-hmm. something like that. Um, and they will actually complain about our main street saying, like, oh, there's too many this, there's too many this, there's not enough. What do they want? I mean, I, if, if you're talking about main street, 
orange. Oh. Like I have my own beef right. with Main Street, but like it is what it is. But it serves who comes there. Yeah. And I think that's one of the things. And though it's a little different in New York, because New York's New York. And you're yeah. like, I don't know if there's like this sort of tension in terms of the people. owners. Yeah. And the renters. Well, yeah, there's always been tension there because um but they're like I think I don't know anyone that has ever had a good relationship with their landlord. Like really? usually when someone says they have a good relationship a relationship with their landlord, they're either um they either come from a place of money, they have mm-hmm. money, or like I just no one that I've grown up with has a good relationship with their landlord. Um and, and that's can be said throughout the city as well. Um mm-hmm. landlords, um and and with that due respect to that, like a lot of buildings in Harlem's get passed over. So mm-hmm. like like my building in particular, you go through we have gone through so many different landlords. Mm-hmm. Apparently they're supposed to be different. But that, so that can, exactly, <laughs> that, you know, there's a lot of corruption there as well. But, um, landlords are a problem. They don't like, they harass people out of their, their homes. So it's just like, it's not even just about not being able to afford to live there, but they will make it unpleasant yeah. for you. Um, and, and that's another component about, um, gentrification that I feel like often gets ignored is that. As well as being under the threat of being displaced, you have people who make your home an unlivable situation. That's and, pretty much my Yeah, experience. and landlords, and they will harass you, like, 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 in particular with my situation. Like, my mom has always had to be in court with the landlords, and we've had several of them. And they have all, like, and we're the oldest tenants there. It's, so we're, like, guaranteed to be in court at least twice a year. Wow. That's like that's a given, and that's a lot, especially and, for working class people. Exactly, exactly, yeah. and and like in this going to housing court in New York City, I feel like if you want to know anything about gentrification, and just go to the housing court and check it out, and like you can because they have it on the wall where you can see like which law firms are which, and, and who's who, and like you have, and this is another. Thing nasty part about the beast is that the law firms that make money off of this right oftentimes it's the same law firms they are responsible for kicking out whole communities and no one ever talks about them no you know but you know you can easily go to these to the courthouses and see who which law firms are the ones responsible or behind this um that um they they clean up like it is it's like to be to have a law firm that works with housing topics, um, you get you can get so much money off of that, and just by making people homeless. And a lot of times they don't even they're not even good lawyers. They mm-hmm. just use the tactic of intimidation. They they do a lot of things illegally. But if you are someone that doesn't know, you they scare you. Like you know, people don't know that you have to have a court order in order for them to kick you out. But like. Like, and then, like, and our landlord would send us, like, these little makeshift eviction notice. It's just, like, talking about, oh, you have such and such. Like, uh, you are not the courts. You have to go to court. You have to be summoned. You have to, all of these things in order for you to even, and even then you still have more of a way to go. But, like, just imagine, you know, like, my family is aware of this, but for the families who aren't, and, like, you get this, this letter it's frightening, but they use all of these intimidation tactics to make your your home like just not a home anymore. I think that's so important, like tenants' rights. A lot of people yeah. don't know what their mm-hmm. rights are as tenants, and like because if you don't, let's say you miss a payment, you get to go to court first and mm-hmm. like petition or like pay the payment. You still gotta go to court. You're not yeah. getting evicted. Yeah. So can you imagine like someone that might not speak English as a first yeah. language? This is like their first time in America. Mm-hmm. Like you get some of these things, it's like super terrifying. Mm-hmm. Like you're just super because you don't have our like yeah. talked about this before. Yeah. Like the first time you're here, like you don't have this security blanket or this like being mm-hmm. with people. Mm-hmm. And like you were saying how it's hard, especially in America, you gotta work or die or you mm-hmm. gotta make ends meet. There's no one not a lot of people that are going to come to your rescue if you don't really know a lot of people. Yeah. Um, and it's hard to, like, get back on your feet if you fall. Yeah. And, but, and here's the thing. is like, even, like, like 
there was one woman in the housing court, you know, I wanted to talk to her to try to help her. And she just didn't trust me. She was like, who are you from? What organization are you from? I was like, I'm just a tenant. And I overheard. And I just want to let you know that she was like, no, I don't No, Thank you. I don't want any parts. I was just like, okay. So it's even, even, it's harder to even organize just as tenants, right? You have to be, you have to be from an organization in order for them to trust you. And some of these organizations are poverty pimping as well. Mm. So it's just like, it's a real tight, nasty situation Mm -hmm. Um, because you got everyone trying to make money off of poor folks mm-hmm. like and it's just all about money it's just like they're not even thinking about like the, just the emotions I went through mm-hmm. at that time was just ridiculous and just like ain't no one thinking about hey you're putting a whole family of right. it was like maybe 10 of us in this house mm-hmm. on the street mm-hmm. like no like yeah. but I mean these they're heartless like they mm-hmm. are literally heartless they will say the rudest untruest things that you could possibly say to a human being they will put your they they will try to put their hands on you like I've heard some crazy stories some horrendous stories like as well as just me growing up and like, like you know it. or just it's just the amount of craziness that they do and and the other part of it that doesn't get taken and this is when I get really upset when I have people who are of color saying that oh we can't be gentrifiers because when you are someone that has had to survive gentrification you have survived trauma and you're still going and you're still participating in the culture of that particular community now you come in here new you don't have any kind of trauma you like that that having to stay somewhere and be harassed for years to be in your home is traumatic it's a traumatic experience on top of then being removed just to go to another place to endure the same thing that's trauma so when you come in and you like oh we're we're the same folks and you know just because we look the same like that's disrespect no we do not you 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 exactly like you can come here and you're you you chilling you happy to be here and i'm happy to be here too but because i'm surviving here you know so and so you don't have that extra traumatic weight on your shoulders right and it is a traumatic experience and i think that's important because i think a lot of people especially like here because we're mainly a renter versus home we don't have like it's different in New York, more people rent. Yeah. But I think a lot of people don't realize that renters make homes in their apartments too. Mm-hmm. Like because just because we're renting and we don't own it, mm-hmm. like we have a lot of memories, we have a lot of positive mm-hmm. moments that we infuse in where we live. Mm-hmm. Like we try to make the most of it. It might not be the most glamorous, but we have we feel attached to these places. It's we, home. Right. It's home. Where you come home. Like even no matter where I travel to in the world, when I come home and lay in my bed. Like, I could be in the best hotel room bed. When I lay in my bed, I feel there's something different. Mm-hmm. Like, it's mine. It's like I feel comfortable. I feel safe. Mm-hmm. But, like, so people that are like, oh, we can just get rid of them and push them out. Mm-hmm. They, this, they they don't care about any of that. It's all about mm-hmm. the bottom line. The dollar. The dollar. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think also another component to the gentrification part, like, since we're talking a lot about renters, we're Mm-hmm. Like we don't talk about how the banks contribute a big part. Yeah, especially with places where homes are like foreclosure. Mm-hmm. The bank will rush to foreclose someplace mm-hmm. and then let it sit there and let it get like rats and everything take it over until the property value uh, raises. Else, and then they'll yeah. sell, like everyone mm-hmm. else can sell their property really low mm-hmm. to the bank or to anybody. Mm-hmm. Also, like a lot of people that own properties, especially you came you know, mm-hmm. coming into mm-hmm. earth today, you saw the yeah new building. yeah. That used to be empty lots. So around the train station mm-hmm. used to be empty lots. Mm-hmm. And there are still some there, but not in my opinion. I think some people are sitting on them waiting to sell them. Yeah. Like now you're starting to see for sale signs pop up for certain places. They did that in New York right. City too. They would kick, they would leave a buildings abandoned for like twenty years. Mm-hmm. And then now that, you know, the property is like good, now they're selling it. Right. So and it's frustrating in many parts because if you do want to get a home, you can't get a home because it's too expensive because you can't get a loan. Like mm-hmm. all yeah. that. And then it like that's just for the house that's like bare minimum, like it's gutted, there's nothing in it. It's still too expensive for you to get a loan. Just the process of trying to buy a it's, home. It's not like that's how oh, the system is not yeah. oh, no. it's, it's ridiculous. Because this is you like, gotta, shit, I guess I'll just stick to running. Like, right. this shit is really, and it's just so, it's layered so much mm-hmm. to where you don't even know what the fuck you're signed up for. Right. Like, right. you really don't. You don't know your interest rate. 
You don't know. Because, like, a lot of these, and I was looking into it, a lot of the houses that were selling for relatively cheap, mm-hmm. they were still too expensive, but they gutted. So you would have to, like, spend another $100,000 mm-hmm. just to, like, put the fixtures in, put all the pipes in, mm-hmm. like, get it up to cool because they they're not doing the cool stuff. Yeah, mm-hmm. so you got to do all, all this yourself. And then, so you can't do that. You wait. Someone else that has the money, they sold their $5 million penthouse. Mm-hmm. They buy it for $100,000. They renovate it, sell it for $500,000. You still can't get it. Yeah. So we're not, like, that's another component of, like, talking about these issues. Like, because, like you mentioned, the poor people, the working class people that don't have access to these funds mm-hmm. or don't, like, they're just trying to survive and yeah. live the, their day-to-day experience. Like, all these people are just coming, grabbing, and, like, then saying, like, oh, you got to go. Yeah. Because you're not fitting in with what we're trying to create here. Yeah. How do you feel? Because then there's the other component of the businesses. Like the businesses mm. that either come or leave. Yeah. How do you feel about that? So, and I, was, I preface this by this I'm one person that's very aware that I like brunch, mm-hmm. but I'm also aware of how, in certain areas, how brunch is done. Like mm-hmm. what was sacrificed for brunch and what does that mean? Okay, because like, there was mm-hmm. a brunch in Harlem years ago. Huh? I mean, there was brunch, but it wasn't like how it is now. Right. We or have a like lot of DC. new spots popping up. Yeah, DC really changed. Yeah, like I was oh, down I remember. Street, right? I was in, like, it used to be like a known black community. It's not Chocolate City no, no. more. And my friend was like, yo, see, even three, five years ago when I first came here, mm-hmm. it was black people. Now, this? No. No, I, I went to DC last year, was it? And it was just like, ooh. But like the first time I went to DC, I was like, it was a while back. It had to be more than 10 years ago. And it just was not, like, from my memory of it to, like, what it is now. I'm just like, whew. Like, I, like, it's just like, I want to complain about the things that are going on in Harlem. But when I look at many cities that have been hit, I'm just like, whoo, damn. We might be in a, in, a, in a state where, we like, we can continue to, like, you know, there's, like, like, that's one thing I can say is, like, when a Harlem event comes out, when people are like, oh, there's more white people in Harlem, that's funny because I don't ever see them. They're like, now that, I will say, now that Whole Foods is, like, the, the politics around, well, the community politics around it is crazy because it's just like, I have never seen so many white people flock in the grocery I don't, I've never, I rarely ever see white people in the grocery store shopping where I'm at. Like, waggo. But they popped up overnight when Whole Foods, they just go in there marching, and it's just like, and then they disappear. (laughs) Wait, let me just say, like, Whole Foods, like, I've, what, earlier this year was, like, my Mm -hmm. first time going to Whole Foods. Oh, yeah? And I was just like, oh, like, I just want to see what is this this white people hype about, about this Whole Foods. Mm -hmm. You know, I walked in, I'm like, Oh my God! Why is here so expensive? Yeah, like, but you know what they they um they have really good sales in their seafood. That's why I used to really? love. Yes, they do. A lot of people do not know it, but I usually be getting lobster tails for five dollars, <gasps> yeah, six dollars. Yes. So so like here's the thing about that. So Whole Foods is one of those places where like I enjoyed to go to downtown. Um, because they, you you had to know how to shop in Whole Foods mm-hmm. to get the good things, but they did have good quality. Um, so you know, I was just like, white people usually got good deals on 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 the seafood, and but nobody knew about it mm-hmm. because they were like, oh, it's just too expensive, and then. And yeah, but they didn't know because they never just went up in there. But they be coming with some nice sales sometimes, and sometimes they have really good they have good stuff. But with that being said, it, I think that people have made it a marker. It's a marker of um, well, people say it's a marker that you've lost the battle. If you get a Whole Foods, that means you've lost. Which it no, it's not because black folks, especially in Harlem, take shit over all the time. Mm. Like the first marker was Starbucks and like the Starbucks on 125th Street that's diagonally across from Whole Foods I rarely ever catch white people going in there like that is our Starbucks and it'll come in a little bit you know that's gonna be our Whole Foods I encourage you know at first I was like boycott them don't go in there I'm just like you know what we might as well just take that shit over too like it's just like if you can I mean like that's but that's how you have to think about it right where it's just like um, I mean, gentrification is a fact, right? It's, it's something that's happened and people are like, what can we do to stop it? I'm just like, I don't know. But I do know that we can manage it. And managing it means a lot of different things. So if it means showing up and showing your presence and showing that you're there, then yeah, I would say definitely 
like now I don't I used to have to go all the way downtown for that and I don't have to do that now but with that being said other businesses is just like okay that's a corporation and there are, there's still mixed feelings about it for me there but then there are these other businesses that be trying to open up with these like downtown prices and it's just like I'm not going to to pay seven dollars for no damn ice cream up here so why do you think that this is okay? You could take that shit back downtown. Like it's just like if I want if I want to pay seven dollars for ice cream, I'm going to go to 14th Street, not 125th. Right. I'll go to you know what I'm saying? Like it's just like you know I'm not gonna do that. So it's like even with some of these businesses, they in some of these businesses can be black owned, but they do not serve the the income bracket. You know what I'm saying? Clients. Yeah. And so it's just like with those, I guess I have more beef with them, right? But I can't really get mad because it's just like, like I understand they're trying to do something, but I just hate because a lot of them be like, we're moving in here for the culture to join the culture of Harlem. It's just like, well, culture of Harlem is you do not charge $7 for no damn scoop of no f- ice cream. All right. That's not the culture of Harlem. I don't know what you thought. Culture, you know, it's just like even like, um, and then some of these restaurants is just ridiculously priced and it's not even all that tasty. Like, I feel sorry for some of the folks that are, if you are moving into Harlem just now or you came, Within the these these ten years, I feel sorry. What you getting now sucks. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it just yeah. sucks. It's what you get. Like you know, it's just like sometimes when people come at me, they be like, oh, uh, like I be like, I understand why you coming at me because you getting a watered down version of culture that you mm-hmm. think that you, you think, yeah. You know what I'm saying? It'll be other black people too. Like I had this one black girl say to me, she was like, "This is my culture too." I'm like, "You don't even know what the culture is here." And you, mm-hmm. you know, it was, she was like, "This is my culture. My people die for this too." I was like, "Uh, girl, you need to slow your roll <laughs> because I, that the whole term my people like that's a broad statement right there, ma. I don't know what you mean by that, but you like remember that article, like just." Just it just came to my mind when you said culture and like you mm-hmm. know. Is it about the coal rain? Huh? The coal No, no, no. I think it's in Brooklyn where they had like one of the restaurants had like bullet holes right. or something like that. I'm just like, right. how? Oh, that? that? Like, how? Like, that I didn't. Shit. I didn't really get a chance to read the article, but what was it? They it called was it. White, it was a white. It was a white. It was, yeah. it was a white. Trying to buy it. I don't know. You know I think it was trying to, trying to create hipster. like trying to blend in with like. The culture it was things. Oh, wow. it was just like, and they usually get holes. they usually get the worst part of it. Right, they were like, oh, I don't know, something about the bullet holes make it quote unquote make authentic. it authentic. Yeah, oh my god, I can't, I can't. So wait, are they real bullet holes? No, no, they were manufactured. Oh wow, <laughs> that's hey, incredible. This is so awesomely cultured right now, like you know, yeah. we got like bullet holes. Like, yeah. first of all, I ain't about to walk into no restaurant that had bullet holes. Mm-hmm. Anyway, mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. that just seemed like I gotta stay away. Mm-hmm. Hmm? Nothing. We'll talk about it later. Oh, <laughs> but no, like I mean, like that's it's like some of these businesses is just like. They don't. I mean, they might make things look nice, but they don't really service. That's another another component that black businesses or not like businesses in Harlem they service the community in some way, shape, or form. And that's the missing element is that a lot of these businesses do not service the community outside of what they sell. You know, and and that's just about it. They're just there selling shit and selling an idea about what Harlem. About I feel like it's like it's like a lot of these businesses. It's almost like they're trying to redo the Harlem Renaissance, but just in a very that's true. bad that's true. way. It's just like it's it, that's the, what it seems like. The Harlem Renaissance was organic. It was organic, you know. But but then but then there's the other component about the other Harlem part of Harlem Renaissance that no one wants to acknowledge is that a lot of those businesses were owned by white people, and they had a colored entrance for black folks right. and. Uh, uh-huh. Cotton Club was one of them. Like, like so even so even in all this glamorous history, black folks were the underdogs of all of that. Like we worked there was a point in time in which black people were not even hired to work in some of these places and then they had riots. Yeah, there's like a um I can't remember what it's called, but yeah, on one twenty fifth street, like black people rioted and over because they couldn't work in a lot of these places. So it's just like that's the thing about gentrification. It's just like I feel like, like, 
people think about it in a sense where it's like, oh, black homeowners and this and this and this is taken. Like, we did have some stores, but there was always this nasty history of black people being at the hands of folks that are not black owning shit. Um, and them being able to have the a, a greater say-so in how things happen in the community. Um, so that, that struggle has always been there. Um, and so, like, and that kind of gives me hope, too, because it's just, like, this isn't the first, like, time that these white corporations have been in Harlem or white-owned businesses have been in Harlem. That has been a part of our history, instead, and still we have been able to maintain um, our integrity. So the, it's like you still have part of yourself mm-hmm. there. Because, I mean, because... What makes a community is the people, not necessarily. And I've had to do a lot of work on myself with this, where it's just like, because, and I think it's easy because like, it's easier to hold a specific place because it's there that, you know, it's not going to die unless you tear it down. That memory is always going to be there if if it's there versus someone who dies, people can die, right? And and you never see them again. And if no one is telling their story, they kind of die. But, you know, community lives through people and, and the lives that, you know, it touches. And and so, like, and this is another part where people are like, oh, you can't, I can't be identified because I'm a person of color. It's just like, if you don't know the stories, you don't know the practices, the flow of that community, you are an outsider. <laughs> like, it's just like, that's, that's just what it is. And you could pretend to be an insider, but that's what it is. Like, you don't know some of these places. Like, you don't know where 22 West was. 22 West was this restaurant that Malcolm X used to go in and have breakfast in, you know? all the time that's where he had that's where he ate when he lived like people know about the Audubon ballroom where he got shot right but if you're not from Harlem you don't know about the places where he lived the places where you know you would see him in live action but they're glorifying the spot that he died in and well that that ballroom is no longer like Columbia University has the building now I think and it's really terrible they kept the facade the outside of the building and then built up in it Mm. which is it looks it's so tacky but um they do that with a lot of these buildings mm -hmm, it's just like it looks but that's another thing it's just bad design as well it's just like it's just terrible design they throw these buildings up It, you know, but my thing is this is like some of these buildings ain't even built to last like uh-huh. 10, 15 years. Like right. there are buildings that are like that were I remember being built five years ago and they're terrible. Like it's just like they got rats and roaches and everything. Now they're infested. They're in a, they're in a worse state than some of the old tenement buildings that have been there for like almost 100 years. You know, so it's just like even like when people are flocking and they paying on this money for these buildings it's not even worth that the quality is like you could punch a hole you could punch your hand through the wall so it's just like so it's just like nobody's really getting anything in this like it's just like you're getting cheated even with that when you are, every time you come you are like just like just lay it down truthfully every single time mm-hmm. well you know I try <laughs> so do you have any recommendations to our listeners about Yes, I do. So, also, well, a good book to read is Root Shock. And you know who that's by, Mindy Full of Love. But it's a, I I think it's a great book because it, it, like, really talks about, um, like, how traumatic, like, psychologically traumatic it is for folks to have to go through this. And I think that that's often a, a missing component is that people don't focus on the, the psychological aspect of having to battle gentrification um, and being uprooted from your community in general. And that book just kind of puts things like, like just the humanity of a person at, in, at the forefront. You know, like it's traumatic mm-hmm. to have to be removed and to have to continue to, to have that as a threat. Um, and I guess her other book, Urban Alchemy is really good too. Um, yeah, it's by the same person. <laughs> um, I don't know. Like when I was going through that whole experience, I tried. I still try to practice some type of self care. Mm-hmm. Like what we did with me and my sister was like we made like a get out playlist so it was like it was like ludicrous like get out bitch like it was just random songs Mm -hmm. just to keep us like smiling because it was just 
so much that was going on. But mm-hmm. I'm like, you know, just, I guess my advice would be practice some type of self-care throughout mm-hmm. whatever situation you're going, in, going through. Because you don't want to, you don't want to be completely down. Because I feel like when you're completely down, it's just so much harder to get back up. Yeah, no, it's it's true. It could. Because I, I still, I found the playlist. It's hella funny. So, for me, for setting with that one's like a primer, I think a really simple book written by a journalist that examines the different forms of gentrification is called How to Kill a City by Peter Moskowitz. I don't know if you read it. But, like, I've read a piece of, like, pieces of it. It was, like, a really good primer about the different forms of gentrification going on um, in, like, Detroit, New Orleans, New York, and, like, San Francisco. Um, and I would also recommend The Domino Effect. Oh. Because I'm, we're going to post it on our website. Mm-hmm. Because I think it's, like, a really good sh- short film mm-hmm. that sh- connects the history of, like, urban renewal, mm-hmm. uh, redlining, all of that, to the current form of gentrification that mm-hmm. can be used for, like, a teaching aid for many people. Mm-hmm. So if you're a teacher out there. But anyone that's like, what's this big gentrification thing? Why are these black people so upset? Like, you should watch this and, like, mm-hmm. read some people. Like, Root Shock, you definitely need to read that. Yeah. Like, it's such an important thing about, like, the psychological trauma. It's important too because it, I feel like it just fouls in line with all the other things. Thanks again for coming. No problem. Oh, one other thing: if you are someone that is a gentrifier, you cannot tell someone about their experiences. Mm. And if they're telling you something, you need to listen and do not do not argue with them because if you argue with them, you deserve to get punched in your face. That's how I feel. So, <laughs> so last question. Yes. What do, does someone that knows they're a gentrifier do um, in order to be on the side of the people that have been there? Do they just listen? Is there something that Yeah, so you have to listen, um, and you need to spend the majority of your time listening and finding out different ways that you can get involved in community efforts. Um, and with that being said, you can never, ever, I don't think it would be wise for you to forcefully say that you know, this is my community too now, right? You know, I think you have to be very careful with that. Just say, this is a community that I love. This is a community that I care for. And I'm going to do what it takes to become a part of it. And the only way that you can ever really become a part of a community is through time. So, you know, so that's, people are like, what can I do to become a successful transplant? Stay there. Time will tell. Like, if you're there 40 years from now, guess what, baby? <laughs> That's what it is. But you can't stay there 10 years and then leave because a lot of people do that. And then they'll be like, oh, but all of my home. I'm like, yeah, well, you so much for home because you ain't here. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah. Thanks for coming. No problemo. And thank you all for listening. Thanks for, like, all this. Um, Make sure to follow us on Facebook, Kinky with Blurs. Well, shit, if you made it this far, thank you for listening. Right. Yeah. <laughs> you made it this far, right. shit, thank you. Right. <laughs> uh, Twitter, Drinking W Blurs. We got our blog, DrinkingWithBlurs.com. And listen to our playlist. Like, we, we'll post, we post our recommendations on the website as well. Um, yeah, thank you all. And we're looking to have you back.